look at that. Another Friday is here, and that means it's time for another edition of the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt, alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gomison. And it's another trip to the movies for us here on the Speaking For Him podcast. Um, there's been a few movies that I've been wanting to review um, that uh, I've had a hard time finding um, a copy that both Adam and I could watch. And the one that we're going to talk about today is one of those. It's Do You Believe? Um, it's a pure flicks film. So these are the same people that brought you God's Not Dead and God's Not Dead 2, both of which we have reviewed. And I was just telling Adam by way of introduction that I actually thought that Do You Believe is a, a little bit stronger film than either of the God's Not Deads. And it's actually a, a little bit stronger film than I um, thought it would be um, because, you know, some of, um, but I, I'm very excited to share it with you. Um, and I think there's a, there's a good message for us all. So uh, before I get too digressive, which is where I was heading, let's get to Alan for a quote of the day. The cross offers us a way out, the only way out, and that is from the movie we're reviewing today, Do You Believe? Digressive. I think I came up with another word. But anyway, <laughs> moving right along, um, this film is is kind of complicated for the reasons of uh, God's Not Dead, the first film, and that is that there's multiple plots. Hmm. Um, there's like, I think the beginning of the movie introduces you to like 12 different people and how they kind of intersect in this universe, which in a way is complicated for a movie because you're trying to focus and it's hard to write for that many characters. Right. But in a way is more realistic to life because that's the life we live. We interact with people all through the day, every day, and we don't always uh, realize how those interactions affect people. And this kind of tried to give a bird's eye view of that. So I kind of liked that. And this quote, I, I just um, picked because it really is the heartbeat of speaking for him and why we do this podcast, uh, because the cross is the only way out that it's the only hope we have. It's the only way that we can, uh, exist and move through this life. I know there are people that move through this life without God. I don't know how they do it, uh, because I need the cross as a daily reminder of why I'm here and what I'm here for. Um, the the motto of speaking for him is speaking for him who spoke for me. And mm. it comes from Philippians chapter three, uh, where Paul talks about striving to lay hold of that, which God has laid hold of me for. And I, I think of that um, when I think of speaking for him, because God uh, put his hand on me several years ago and said, Andrew, I have a special plan for your life. And this podcast is part of that plan. And so, so that's definitely something that I believe strongly. And so that's why I picked this opening quote. So, Adam, why don't you, um, well, actually, before we get into the meat of our podcast, I don't want to get too discombobulated here. It would help if I would look at my notes. <laughs> um, but if you would play for us the trailer for Do You Believe? believe in the cross of Christ? I'm a pastor. If you believe, then the question is, what are you going to do about it? What does it mean to believe? It is forgiveness. 
It is redemption. It is unconditional love. Where was God the night we lost Kathleen? Just because we're on the street doesn't mean that I'm a bad mother. From the looks of things, she couldn't care less whether we save her or not. I can't just turn her away. Not asking you to. It's a miracle. There's no such thing as miracles. I save these people. I should get the credit. I won't apologize for sharing the gospel with a dying man. This cross is going to cost you. You're about to throw everything away. I don't have a choice. This is all one moment. Everything changes for us. Stop! Please! I've been where you're going. You have to choose. Take the first step. It'll change your life. I was once asked if you were ever accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? So you believe in Jesus? I do. There's a whole world of people out there who need help. Take out your cross and let it be a reminder of the amazing gift that Christ has given us. And let it inspire us to live our lives the way Jesus lived his. See, Mommy? God really does love us. He does, baby. All right, now I can say, after we have watch this trailer and um i can say adam why don't you give us a synopsis okay so the movie do you believe um centers around these 12 different stories that are going on of people who don't know each other at first by the way so it's it's it shows i would say it's about what the first 20 minutes of the movie was like you said setting up each person's story and then setting it up for them to meet one another but it starts with um uh, inner city pastor who uh, comes across, I believe it was, um, a, a, a couple of the characters at first. And as as the movie goes on, you start to learn more about these people's stories. And then once they start to meet into each other, you learn where they are. Everyone's in a different place with their faith. Some people are deeply rooted in God. Some people are not. And as the movie continues on with that and then their stories, you see how God moves in each situation. And it's very interesting to see how they all intertwine. Like you mentioned, to keep 12 stories straight, I'm sure the writers had to towel off by the end of writing the script. Well, and and there are there is some development holes that you would like to see filled. And it's kind of interesting because a lot of times books are made are or uh, movies are based on books. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a there's also a trend for the novelization of certain movies. And this this movie has been novelized and so i'd be really interested to pick up the novel and see how they uh do some of the backstory uh because the the novelizations of movies that i've read are actually pretty well done where they'll take a two-hour movie and they'll novelize it into a seven out seven eight hour book yeah and so they probably fill some of those plot holes that you might be looking at the film and saying well why is this or what's the backstory here and so that would probably be like I like I said about God's not dead, especially the first one. The second one kind of had a central 
uh, one central storyline, but the first one had a lot of different ones like this film. And, and the hard part about that is um, you just want to find a plot. You just want to find a plot to follow. So you can be like, I want to root for these characters all throughout. And it's kind of hard to do with a movie like this. I mean, I guess you can say it's a different kind of movie. And if you're going in with that mentality, like I told Adam, I said before we pressed record, said it is in many ways more realistic to life because we are always interacting with other people and we don't always know how that comes off or how um, that actually affects everyone. So it is kind of interesting the way that is, but um, it does create some problems as you're trying to get into the flow of the movie. Did you have any thoughts about that, Adam? Uh, I, I could totally feel that. Yeah. Watching the movie too, how there were some, some gaps in, in, in the storyline and you'd be like, well, how did that happen to, you know, this, like one was a what was a mom who was with her daughter and she's on the streets and I maybe I missed it but I don't know if they explain exactly what had happened before, uh, so that was kind of one of those things where I was like I think her husband died because okay. she talked about how good of a man he was and how he took them to church every Sunday okay and so I don't think it was an issue of he abandoned her I think he died and she just didn't know what to do with that and then you have the characters uh, the older couple. JD and his wife who, who lost their daughter. Mm, and mm-hmm. I like the part where he says, um, you know, she says that it's not the past. It's our daughter. And he says, but we, but we can't keep living in the past. Right. You know, um, she's not coming back. So he wants to put stuff away in her room and, and move on. And she's like, and she doesn't want to, but he's like, there's so many people in the world that need help and we can help them but only if you move past this. And so, and I definitely resonate with that because when my brother died, I had about a year when I didn't want to move on. Um, and I've gone into that on several podcasts, so I won't go into detail about that here, but the the point of the matter is that um, they finally realize what it means to move on and they give help to this mother and daughter who the daughter was really uh, just really a precious child, by mm-hmm. the way, but the actress they found to do that part was just so yeah. she, she stole the show in every scene she was in, at least as far as I'm concerned. Um, but uh, anyway, so I hope that she continues to act and do more. But um, so sh- they uh, realized they needed to help other people. And, and, then the lady that they end up helping with the little girl, she realizes that she needs help. You know, she kind of has the opposite problem of them where she doesn't want to ask for help and she needs it. So they are able to meet each other where they're at and be mutually beneficial to each other. As a matter of fact, he says when he offers her a place to stay, he's like, we need this more than you. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was kind of significant. Um, The positives are, the cross of Christ was central to this movie. Now I know a lot. Some people will say movies that get too preachy are not their favorite movies, but if the purpose of the movie is to talk about belief in Christ, then they nailed it. And I thought it was very interesting to talk about it in the context of, um, uh, we, we believe it intellectually, so we need to act like we believe it fully. 
And also the fact is, I didn't feel like this was an evangelistic movie as much as it was a movie for Christians. A lot of times people think that these evangelistic movies are, are kind of cheapened because they make them evangelistic, but then only Christians go to it. Mm. But I think this was definitely a movie geared for Christians, and I think it was an important movie for Christians to see. And so I hope that people will take the time um, to watch it. And actually, it is on YouTube, at least as of this recording. So I will uh, link it in the show notes for this episode, um, the Do You Believe episode. So uh, keep your eye out for that. And if it's still available, take the opportunity to watch it with your family tonight. But we're going to go a little bit more into details. So, Adam, um, I've kind of talked about... uh, my positives from this movie that Christ was central and that you just saw how people helped each other out, which is what the church is supposed to do. Yeah. So what are your, some of your positives from this movie? Uh, a couple of things. One, um, I loved all the big names they had in this movie. I love, 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 love seeing it in a Christian film. That's so encouraging. They had, uh, 10, uh, Ted McGinley, uh, Alex, uh, or Alexa Vega, her, she's the daughter from the spy kids movies. Um, Sean Astin, from Lord of the Rings, he played Sam and was in Rudy. So these are some big names that was in this Christian film. Literally, for the first half hour, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my word. Oh, I know that person, too. Like, you had all these big names, and I think that's great. I love seeing mainstream Hollywood. Okay, hold the phone just for a second here. Yeah. Because I did not see, for some reason, I missed Alexa Vega's name in the credits. But I knew I knew that girl. Yes. It's kind of like Thank when— Thank you. It's kind of like when you— when you pass someone in the mall and you know you knew them in a past <laughs> yeah. life, but you don't want to be that awkward person who knows that you know somebody that you don't actually know until you <laughs> pull them on the shoulder and say, do I know you? That's how I felt when I saw her. So that is pretty wild. Isn't that crazy? That, that's who she was. But I knew about Sean Astin. I knew about Ted McGinley, who for some reason I always get mixed up with Fred Willard. But that's another yeah. story altogether. Um, and... Uh, so yeah, there was some there were some big names. There was even a rapper, um, the the uh, the black gentleman that gets saved in the early part of the movie. Yes, the guy in the gang. He was a rapper, and I looked him up, and I didn't find anything about him having a personal faith in the Lord. But I can only imagine that it would be positive to be in a movie like this, you know. And oh, it, totally. And even if you're only doing it to do have a job, I'm hoping that some of these actors were really challenged to think about these things. And, yeah, she did her... Alexa Vega's part was really cool in the movie. I, I wanted to see more development between those two characters. Yeah. um, Just their relationship. And because it seemed like they both needed each other. And I'm just going to leave it at that <laughs> and leave that as the first teaser of the episode and not really talk about the other character that I'm referring to. Right. <laughs> um, what are some negatives? Um, for me, uh, even though it, I know it was telling all these stories that people are going through, uh, I felt like it was like a super, super heavy movie. Like I didn't feel like the first glimpse of hope until like, the end of the movie when all their stories started to intertwine. I'm not going to say how, but I mean, obviously the things they're going through are very serious. You don't want, you know, a bunch of puns being told or anything uh, for the mood. But um, that, that was kind of my tough thing. It was, uh, it was heavy. And at some moments I felt like it was, they were trying to push the drama a little too much. 
at points. Um, that that was my tough thing. I don't know if I'm maybe I'm the only one with that struggle, but I I I tend to agree with you, and and here's why. the The fact of the matter is that it's good to tackle some tough issues. Yeah, but kind of like what I said when we reviewed God's Not Dead, any one of those tough issues could have been a whole movie. Right, like you could have done a whole movie about about a, a, a girl that that fled her home, basically, which it seems like happened. I don't even know if that's what happened, but <laughs> it seemed like the pregnant girl, you know, fled her home. Yeah, because her stepmom wanted her to get an abortion or whatever. And you could have done a whole movie about that, or you could do a whole movie about a soldier that's struggling with PTSD mm-hmm. and trying to adjust to being at home. And it, you know, inadvertently hurts his family um, because of it. Or you could do a whole movie about a guy who is a prisoner but gets out on compassion leave because he's dying of cancer. Um, and then, obviously, also they didn't really explain the ending either, where he felt completely healed, but they didn't, you know, go to the results to to see if he was. Yeah. And so again. I would really like to read the novelization and see how the novelist interprets that and just see how that goes. And so I, I may, I may end up doing that. Maybe we'll even throw it into next year's book club. We'll, we'll see, but, um, I think it might be worth checking out. So, but yeah, definitely probably the most negative thing is just the, the inability uh, to capitalize on a single thought, while at the same time, it was intriguing as well. So it's hard to call it a complete negative. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there is anything else that I that I really saw as negative. I think um, one of the things that bothered me a little bit was that. Um, the firefighter's wife didn't have more understanding of what he was doing. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's pretty much conveyed that she hasn't fully committed to Christ. Mm-hmm. And so that's what they're trying to bring out. But the fact that they go to church together, she heard the same sermon he did. So she knew exactly the type of person he was and exactly what he was trying to convey. And yet she's just telling um, him to do what, what, they tell him to do, which is reminiscent of the girlfriend on God's Not Dead, who I could absolutely not stand. <laughs> um, sorry, Kathy Gifford. I know you love your daughter, but that was um, that was a good acting job because I couldn't stand that character, and I guess that was the idea. You're right. <laughs> um, but even then, to backtrack to that one, I, I thought they would go back to her story and kind of have a resolution there, maybe either showing her miserable or showing her come back and at least ask forgiveness, even if they weren't going to be together. For the way she acted. But anyway, uh, we're not talking about that movie. We're talking about Do You Believe? So we will move on. So we kind of talked about positives and negatives. So who's your favorite character? I think I got to go with my bro, Joe. Um, Joe is the character who, through the movie, finds out he's basically dying. How? I'll let you watch the movie to find that out. Uh, but this was a guy whose heart was always open to everybody through the entire movie. You want to talk about a guy who had down helping to carry each other's burdens. And that was inspiring to me. I'm like, that's that's so awesome. I mean, there was even one point, I'll do this as a spoiler, where he gave two of the characters, a mom and daughter, basically his place. 
And he slept out on a bench outside in the cold while being sick. And that's how much he cared for this couple or this family that was basically the homeless. The mom had nowhere to go. And um, there's a part in the church where he welcomed one of the other characters in when they were basically on the run from the law. And it, never once was he like cynical or thinking like, oh, boy, you're like you're really sinning tonight. So I think we got a got a special place for you. He always had his heart open, never once even thought twice about helping somebody. And the sad part is he was an ex-con. So I have to admit the human part of me would be very hesitant to accept help from him. Sure. Which is the biggest problem that prisoners have. One of these days, I'm going to have to do an episode about um, Forgotten Man Ministries, which is the jail ministry that I'm a part of. Mm -hmm. Uh, And maybe I can even get one of the chaplains on the show. But uh, that's a good idea. When you have brainstorms while you're podcasting, that's (laughs) interesting. But my point is, you know, that's one of their biggest problems is they a lot of them want a fresh start. They want to prove that they have a new life, but they need a support system. You can't just go out and say, I'm going to live a different life because your struggles will come back. You have to have something to fill the void, something to be able to do. And you have to have someone that believes in you enough to give you a job. He Mm -hmm. probably could have done more. Um, This was a subtle thing about the movie because he probably could have done more than be a custodian at a church. Oh, sure. But he took the job that was available. And again, they didn't develop this. I'm wondering if they develop it more in the novel. They didn't develop this, but I was just thinking about that, that. Um, even with all the hardship that he had and probably had a lot of people that didn't trust him because he was a felon, um, he still had a heart of compassion. And so that was really great. So I resonate with it. And it's kind of interesting because our rule of thumb when we pick a favorite character is not to pick the main character. Well, in this case, it's a total ensemble movie. So it's easy um, not to worry about picking the main character. And so for me... I liked the firefighter uh, yeah. who who gave the gospel to the dying man um, and gave him a cross and said, can I pray with you? And, you know, I, I just was like, I hope that I would be able to have the courage to do that mm-hmm. if I was in a similar situation because that's really the only hope that guy had, literally the only hope yeah. because he wasn't going to live through it. And so I, I just really like the firefighter and his resolution. One of my favorite scenes is when his wife is like, give up this fight. Think of the boys. And she, he says, I am thinking of the boys. I'm thinking about the kind of men that I want to raise. Mm. And that really resonated with me because I know that my dad um, has always been to me someone who stands up for the right thing, even when it's unpopular. And a lot of his heart is in speaking for him. My desire to... Proclaim the gospel boldly and without reserve comes from my dad. Um, obviously, it comes from my personal relationship with my Lord as well, but it also is a huge legacy to my dad because he's the one that taught me how important it was. And so I really resonate with his desire to make things good for his boys and to be a good example. All right. Did you have a least favorite character, Adam? I did, and it's funny because you actually brought her up just a little bit ago on the show. Um, it would be Bobby, the firefighter's wife. It's not because she might not have been on the same level as Bobby was with relationship with Christ or because she was behind or whatever you want to call it, but it was just like total, she didn't have any open mind at all 
to what he was doing because his job was in jeopardy for sharing the gospel to that dying man. And like she basically reamed him for it completely. Like, like there was no like, I guess I can see or anything. And I just remember thinking like, wow, like that must have been really tough for that character to go through, say it was real. Because not only do you have your job against you now, the law against you, but now your wife is on top of it. Um, so I wish you could have been more open-minded, but that's just not how the story was written. And the the character of Sean, the character that Sean Aston played was another one of those kind of nasty characters. Yeah, but they didn't really develop him, so I I didn't really know what his motivation was at all. Yeah, uh, which is another kind of pratfall of this movie, but uh, it is what it is. Um, all right. So, what do you think was the biggest lesson that you took from the film? I got that God is always moving and that he's very much alive. In fact, there was a line towards the end of the movie from uh, the little girl who was the show stealer. And she like turns her mom at the end of all things and is like, see, God does love us. And it was the sweetest, most tender thing because you're like, yeah, he does. It's true. He always takes care of us. He's always moving. And that reminder, I think, you know, especially when life gets nuts, it's, it's so needed. And there was some sad parts at the end, too. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't want to give away too much, but there was some storylines that didn't quite resolve the way that it would have been nice if they had. But I think, again, that lends reality to it, because one of the criticisms that sometimes people have about these movies is that everything works out the way that it should. Right. And so I think uh, this movie did a good job of providing balance to that idea. And for me, the biggest lesson that I took away from, from the film is just the the fact that uh, the cross should should uh, influence our actions. Mm -hmm. it, it, should, it should push us to do things. You know, it shouldn't just be, oh, I have my faith, you have your faith, and we don't do anything about it. The Bible says faith without works is dead. And so we need to be, the cross needs to motivate us to action. Um Paul said um, the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But then he also said that um, uh, the gospel is the power of Christ to everyone that believes. And so we need to show forth that power. And there's also this common saying that if, if God saved you and he loves you, then tell your face. Because a lot of times we walk around with, uh, drawn expressions or with sad faces when we have a lot to be joyful about, even in the hard times. So that would be my biggest lesson. So the moment of truth has arrived. Drum roll. For a, a ranking, one to five, five being best, one being worst. Adam, how do you rank this film? Well, it might be a little bit of a surprise, but I'm going to actually give it just a three out of five. I liked what they were trying to do, and of course I always want to support any Christian movie that wants to reach people for him and is able to get big names in too, but um, the just the it's still a movie very much worth checking out. But just the dr dramaticness of it and, and the heaviness, um, it, it was I, I felt like it was a little too much. It kind of went a little overboard for me. Obviously, it was serious storylines they were talking about, but um, in that sense, I felt like it's just it's a three out of five for me. And I would say three point five. Okay. Um, just because when I got done with the movie, I was so energized. Mm. I was extremely energized to keep doing what I'm doing, to 
keep serving um, in this podcast ministry, to keep working at the potter's house, to keep proclaiming Christ for in every way that I possibly can. Um, because like, uh, like I said, you don't know how you're going to affect people. Um, that guy was just preaching his Sunday sermon and a gangster came into his church to hide and his life was changed. Mm-hmm. And so you just never know what's going to happen. I put out these podcasts every week and the, the listener numbers are still lower than I would like to have them. But if one, but if only one person has their life changed by an episode of the podcast or by a sermon that I post on my website, it's worth it. It's not about becoming this big name preacher. It's about faithfully speaking for him in whatever venue that I have. And so for in that way, um, it, it really spoke to me and challenged me. And so I'm giving it 3.5 stars, but for the reasons that we outlined earlier, there could have been some improvement done. Like I said, much like God's not dead. Any one of those storylines could have been its own movie. Yeah. Right. Which would be, which is more conventional to the way we watch and ingest movies. Like I wanted to know what Sean Astin's character's motivation was. I wanted to know what, why he was angry. Why does he mm-hmm. want all the credit? Maybe he had a dad who never gave him credit for anything. You know, I don't know what the answer to that is. All I know is uh, it would have been great to know some of that information. So that was just one of those things where as great as it is to get these stars into the movie, if they're not... Uh, it's hard because we always say in the theater community there are no small parts only, or there are no small actors only, or no, no small parts, only small actors. Right. So you should be willing to take any role possible. But at the same time, you want to utilize talents if they're there. And so that would have been nice to see a little bit more of that. And a more concrete from start to finish storyline instead of always trying to take on the world and i and i do agree with you there but 3.5 stars is where i'll leave it so uh cumulative cumulative of six and a half out of ten stars between us so that's not bad and Mm -hmm. we would encourage you to watch this movie encourage you to share it with friends and like i said i'm pretty sure there's a novelization out there so you might want to grab that as well and share it you also, because of the content that we were talking about, it's not quite the whole family movie necessarily. True. Good point. It's more of a uh, young to mid-teens to adult movie, um, which is just another thing to be aware of as you are contemplating watching it with your children. Um, but if you, in your discretion as a parent, think that they're old enough to handle um, issues like abortion or or PTSD or the loss of a child, things like that. Um, then I would encourage you to watch it. Uh, if for no other reason than to start discussions that need to happen. So with that, I will say goodbye for this week. I hope that you have a great weekend. Um, and as always, I hope that you will keep serving the best of masters. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him, alongside his co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 